Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 157. A perfect, roguish Lucy Ricardo smile. You name it, honey. What do you need? She began to undo the buttons of her blouse. Hey, she said. You ever wanted to see Lucy's tits? The screen went black. The sleep function had kicked in and set, and the set had turned itself off. Shadow looked at his watch. It was half past midnight. Not really, said Shadow. He rolled over in bed and closed his eyes. It occurred to him that the reason he liked Wednesday and Mr. Nancy and the rest of them better than their opposition was pretty straightforward. They might be dirty and cheap and their food might taste like shit, but at least they didn't speak in cliches. And he would take a roadside attraction no matter how cheap, how crooked, or how sad over a shopping mall any day. Morning found Shadow back on the road, driving through a gently undulating brown landscape of winter grass and leafless trees. The last of the snow had vanished. He filled up the tank of the piece of shit in a town which was home to the runner-up of the state women's under-16s 300-meter dash, and hoping that the dirt wasn't all that was hoping it together, he ran the car through the gas station car wash and was, dis- and was surprised to discover that the car was, when clean, against all reason white and pretty much free from rust. He drove on. The sky was impossibly blue, and white industrial smoke rising from factory chimneys was frozen in the sky like a photograph. A hawk launched itself from a dead tree and flew toward him, wings strobing in the sunlight like a series of stop-motion photographs. At some point, he found himself heading into East St. Louis. He attempted to avoid it, and instead found himself driving through what appeared to be a red-light district in an industrial park. Eighteen-wheelers and huge rigs were parked outside buildings that looked like temporary warehouses that claimed to be 24-hour nightclubs, and in one case, the best peep show in town. Shadow shook his head and drove on. Laura had loved to dance, clothed or naked and on several memorable evenings moving from one state to the other, and he had loved to watch her. Lunch was a sandwich and a can of Coke in a town called Red Bud. He passed a valley filled with the wreckage of thousands of yellow. And that's our page. Media's final offer to Shadow is pretty remarkable. And I gotta say, I'm with Shadow on this one. I don't know that I ever once thought of the character as... the character of Lucy as a sexual entity. I don't know if this was just because the show is in black and white or what, but... I think I was really watching I Love Lucy a lot in like that 7th, 8th grade area where puberty hormones were definitely starting to kick in. Anyhow, the sleep timer that Shadow set on the TV kicks in and he doesn't have to answer media as Lucy's question. We also get a good bit of insight into Shadow's character before the page break. Or before the paragraph break, rather. He's not a shopping mall guy, not a fan of crass commercialization or the cold, soulless environments they embody. He's definitely a small-town sort of guy. Uh, especially when he was living in a place like Eagle Point. There's definitely an indication that it's a smaller town. Though I guess maybe it isn't so much the commercialization he objects to since he's on the side of roadside attractions, which is as commercial as it gets. But certainly a roadside attraction is anything but cold and soulless, at least for the most part. I'd argue at times Wednesday himself, though, has a pretty deep streak of cynicism about just about everything, but Shadow doesn't seem to share that same perspective. Shadow gasses up, washes the car, and finds it to be white underneath all the dirt, and suddenly he's heading into East St. Louis, Illinois. I didn't realize that it was part of Illinois, and my mental map of that part of the U.S. is so wrong that it's really embarrassing, honestly. I've lived on the East Coast and the West Coast and traveled between, but not often, and so my geography is pretty shitty. East St. Louis, though, is another town with a fairly uncomfortable racial history. From 1910 to 1917, the African-American population in East St. Louis effectively doubled due to the Great Migration, where many African-American people went north to try to escape Jim Crow horseshit of the South. 
There were many white people that decided to be racist asshats about this, which eventually led to a massive riot between July 1st and July 3rd, 1917, where large numbers of white people set the black parts of town aflame and shot anyone they found fleeing the fires. Anywhere between 240 and 300 buildings were destroyed, and amongst the violence, anywhere between 40 and 250 black people were killed. The police, of course, were very slow to respond, partially due to the disparate numbers between the officers and the rioters. But even when the National Guard showed up on July 3rd, they first attacked the black citizens of the city, thinking they were responsible. There's very little photographic evidence of these riots because rioters were quick to attack the media and destroy their cameras, while police themselves were responsible for harassing journalists as well, proving that even now, a hundred years later, not much has changed. Shadow drives through a red light district, and the sight of all the strip clubs reminds him of the times Laura danced for him, sometimes clothed, sometimes not, sometimes one and then the other, and I don't know, it... it it just it really jumped out of the page as a really strange association to make. I get it to a certain extent, but out of all the times to start thinking about your dead, now not dead wife, I don't know, man. That's That seems odd. Redbud, Illinois, has a population of 3,700 people and takes its name from a local species of tree known as the redbud tree. Big surprise. The first settler to set up a log cabin was named Preston Bricky, and this was 1820. The village was officially incorporated then in 1866. What I think is most interesting is that pretty much all the people who helped incorporate it are known and noted on Wikipedia because that's how records used to work, and theoretically they still may. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research into town records. Like, I don't... Even the town I live in, I'm sure there's records out there, but I've never dug into them. But it's important to realize that this is how things work in small towns in this part of the country, and probably small towns everywhere, there's a lot of town notes about if there's a meeting at the town hall, and who was there, and what they said, and what was voted on, and minutes breaking down everything. And as the novel goes forward, this will become a slightly more important detail, although I think in the end it's it's not a major detail, but it does come up again. So when, when you start seeing town records again, definitely keep your eyes open. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.